Hell yeah, brother. Waste your millions here, secretly, she says. Another corporate show, a guilty conscience grows. We are hottest 100s and thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young. I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour. So joining me once again is Nathan Harrison. Hi. Adam Buncher. Perfect place to waste your millions right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Andrew McDonald. I also need some millions if they're going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you've got some millions, they're burning a hole in your pocket. Mm. We will do, if you give us millions of dollars, a bonus episode. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then if you drop, drop another couple of million next season, mm. we'll do. You know, we'll, we'll think about it. Then again. we'll link to the previous <laughs> year's bonus episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Now we'll record a new intro. Oh, no, no, no. We'll do commentary for the previous... <laughs> I, I seriously want us to go back and do commentary for S01E01. Yeah, I think that'd be a good time. I reckon that'd be so much fun. I and I don't think a million dollars is too much to ask no, for that. No, no, no. no. We can have a million dollars as a treat. <laughs> yeah. Nothing sounds as good as when all people speak over top of each other. And they're doing it over four people, people speaking, speaking over the top of each other. other. Mm. Hey, you know, people buy DVDs for the commentary. <laughs> I've never been a comment like man. I pay it, man. I guess maybe if I if I like actually cared about cared about anything, form. or just if I you know loved mm. a thing in life, then maybe I would, yeah. I don't even I watch it, the but... things twice, let alone yeah. the things that aren't the things. Yeah. The know? best ones are the ones where it's like not a commentary, but like a documentary. That it's virtually a commentary, right? Like, mm. um, like obviously, like Hearts of Darkness. Oh for, yeah, um, yeah. Or like for National Lampoon's Holiday Vacation, the oh, making of, of National Lampoon's Holiday mm. Vacation. Yeah. Was really good. <laughs> also good, yeah. Extremely good shit. That, that was that Werner Herzog one. Read. The... That's the one I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Werner Herzog. We uh we brought in Chevy Chase and we say, uh, Severy, you must uh, go on vacation. And he said, uh, what is what is my purpose? What is my purpose I, of going on vacation? <laughs> Your Werner Herzog is friend. It, it like... started really good though. <laughs> it started it's like... okay. It is good. <laughs> Be like I mean, the vacation that he goes on is the vacation of mankind. <laughs> he tries to leave the home, but yet the family comes with him. Man can never escape the trappings of his domestic life. That's pretty good. There we go. We got there. We just had to bypass Jacques Cousteau briefly. <laughs> I was going for more Gerard Depardieu. Ah, uh, yes, the other person in France. Yes, <laughs> le big toi. Yeah, le big toi. Le grand toi. <laughs> You can always do a French accent. It's never racist. Thank you. Uh-huh. Folks, <laughs> what's the first song, Dave? Well, the last time we opened an episode, it was with PJ. And for this week's episode, we're doing something a little bit different, and we're opening with PJ. At number 85, this is Pearl Jam with nothing, as it seems. Song Nothing As It Seems from the album by Norrell, coming in at number 85 in the 2000 Hottest 100. Nathan, 
Mm. Here we are, once again. Talking about Pearl Jam. Talking Debt taxes, talking about Pearl Jam. It, it's like markers of through history where you're yeah. like, ah, oh, now Pearl Jam are doing this. Yeah, and here, that represents- here are the hieroglyphs of ancient Egyptians talking about Pearl Jam. Yeah. yeah. In the year 2000, Pearl Jam were recording binaurally. And that's <laughs> that's cool, I guess. I saw a really good theatre show with a binaural microphone in the middle. Um, so binaural is where you have like omnidirectional, I guess you'd call it. Mm. Omnidirectional recording. Yeah, yeah. and so... Adam can make my voice do this, as you know. I as- absolutely cannot. <laughs> this is not binaural mics. <laughs> but, no. but, like- I thought I was the only binaural. I thought no. you guys were straight. <laughs> Hello. Hey. But it's kind of like, yeah, directional in every, it's, it's every way. It's what ASMR people use. Yeah, totally. You've heard totally. Of that. Like, it's where you can hear the voices move back and forth and around you. Yeah. 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 They even have some uh, binaural microphones because it's designed to naturally mimic like how you hear normally yeah. with ears. And so they actually have <laughs> fucked up microphones that like look like giant tiki oh, heads. Yeah, they just look like with heads. Ears and you're like, I don't need like I'm okay with that. a level of abstraction a bit more than that. Like yeah. I'm okay with a microphone being a microphone. Look, it's yeah, very but... handy with some ASMR clips <laughs> to see you're the head and they're talking to you. <laughs> It's not just, that bad. Talk, this, yeah. <laughs> okay. I saw a good theater show where uh, everyone had to like put on headphones. It was at the opera house, but like, and there was a mic in the middle of the stage, and everything happened around it. It was very cool. That's pretty cool. But that's how they recorded this song, and it's also mm. the name of the album. Pretty cool, I guess. Like, it's weird to think of Pearl Jam being a band of like reinvention and innovation because they're still working within a fairly tight, you know. They're playing rock music. They're playing grungy rock music, and they never stray too far from that. But it is interesting seeing how much they do try and shift it and change how they write and record stuff. And part of that we've talked about is through necessity, as kind of the age of grunge went away, and they yep. were still like, "Well, we want to keep being a band." But I think it's interesting, and it's it's weird and kind of interesting that we're still talking about them. We've talked about mm. them in nearly every season, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is a cool song. It's a very like dark droning kind of yeah. thing. Like, you know, a lot of ways stripped back. It doesn't have that like big stadium maximalist energy that a lot of Pearl Jam songs do, but I yeah. kind of really love it for that. I think like that kind of descending guitar chord progression is beautiful. Mm. I think Eddie's vocals, while quite restrained, are just like really quite beautiful and moody, moody in how in like that kind of crooning i think it shows that this song was written by the bassist jeff ament because that upright bass sound and the texture that that kind of adds it's haunting it's a black hole of a song like there's 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 no light hole song (laughs) it just reminds me so much of like stumbling around in the dark yeah yeah, totally kind of kind of like drunkenly like Mm. and and there's a kind of weird trying to get control or also like trying to lose control at the same time. And, or, you know, because you, that that's going to make you freak out less if you just kind of accept that, Oh, okay. Like we're in the dark and it's, and I think that matches so nicely to what the song's kind of, kind of written about. It's really interesting because Jeff was kind of saying that he was reflecting back on his childhood after reading a bunch of books and finding that those books and and the subject matter that they were about really uncovered some stuff that he'd kind of repressed, and that's kind of what the song's about. He was like, I thought I had a really good childhood, but now I'm actually Wait remembering things that maybe I didn't, and yeah. that's going to be a very like ungrounding experience. Mm. Not every song on the record was recorded with binaural mics, but this was one of them. Oh, right. Okay. And I think that's really good here, because you can tell the mix is very, very spacious. Totally, The right? double bass sound kind of is like a drone that kind of carries you through the whole song and the guitar work almost has like a like a neo cycle like there's like elements of post-punk aesthetic with the drum kind of tone particularly the snare sounds very Mm. Mm post-punky like Mm. just the echo on everything as well just all of that as much as like we've like you said they haven't really strayed too far from their roots as they've gone on as a band they're still just playing rock music after all but um compared to like pearl jam of eight years ago it's a quite a different sound yeah Um, and, and i think it speaks to their maturity as songwriters and it's often when people speak about Pearl Jam, they're speaking about Eddie Vedder as a songwriter and a performer kind of thing like that. And that's all well and good. But I think like Arment's lyrics in this, like in terms of that kind of thing of like wanting to travel home kind of thing, the last verse where he says, it's nothing as it seems, the little that he needs, it's home. The little that he sees is nothing, he concedes, it's home. And all that he frees, a little bittersweet, it's home. It's nothing as it seems, the little that you see, it's home. This kind of like abstract kind of poetic kind of way to view that like the melancholic and the the crack in the facade 
is actually home. You mm. come to it with this acceptance that's a bit more bittersweet, a bit more melancholic than you initially may have recalled kind of thing. But it's a very yeah. fucking beautiful song, I think. I think or, it's really wonderful. Or potentially darker than that. And maybe I'm just reading too much into the, the one line that kind of mentions methadone or whatever. But if you're yeah. like thinking of it being in a song about addiction as well, mm. you know, like and thinking of what home is in, for, you know, in that sense yeah. is kind of even darker in terms of being lost in that. Because I really think this is a song about being lost, right? Yeah. Like if, you, if you're constantly returning to this idea of home, then you really are just kind of like stumbling around trying to find your way. What I love is that Pearl Jam deliberately wrote this in order to challenge their fan base. They said, like, we just we want to throw this out as a bit of a challenge. Because this was the lead single. Yeah. Mm. And to Pearl Jam's fans' credit, they came with them in a big way, and this has since become like a fan favourite song and performed live quite frequently. Credit to Pearl Jam fans. I mean, the band has trained them incredibly well to be prepared for anything at this point. Yeah, yeah. considering yeah. the last time we spoke about Pearl Jam, it was the My Baby Died in a Car cover. Yeah. yeah. Um, so much more mature and accomplished musically here than they at all were there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really yeah, fascinating track, I think. Um, I, I really like knowing that Pearl Jam, by force of necessity to kind of stay relevant, have had to reinvent their sound so many times, even if it's just kind of tweaking a, a formula. The guitar in this is present, but it's just like kind of like effect pedal-driven kind of little riffs here and there. Mm. Yep. And it's the, the spacious arrangement and the bass that drive this song. It's, it's not even flow. No, yeah. No, yeah. Oh, no. You know? But even, I feel like there's a real um, like Hendrixiness to that solo as well. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. It's a wonderful solo. Yeah, it's good. And and I think it really sinks into the space that mm. the rest of the song builds. Yeah, I'm a bit of a sucker for psychedelica like in music in, and rock music in particular anyway, so like it, it ticks, ticks that box for me. This is the only time we get to talk about Pearl Jam in uh, this countdown, though. This was their first album to not go platinum. It still went gold. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, rich white rock dude problems. (laughs) But, like, you could definitely tell, like, the audience was a bit... uh, Both my ears? mm, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is the age of sharing headphones with a friend. That's right. You're fucking up everybody. Yeah, do we have Not everybody has a headphone splitter. Yeah. iPods? They not yet? Not yet. Not yet. 2000, no way. So disc, discmans. A little bit off, yeah. Discmans. 2000, though, you're looking at some pretty good anti-shock technology. Yeah, yeah. You can probably walk with one. Well, and it's um, it's not going to skip the back of the, the bus disc too much. Won't, won't fit in your pocket. Oh but... god! Well, it depends. Depends how big your shorts are. Yeah. Oh, true. <laughs> if you if we you had some baggy shorts, yeah. for... some baggy if you, shorts if in two thousand. Yeah. If you ain't rocking the Jinkos, yeah, like you ain't listening to Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> Jinkos, if you're listening, I would I would take a sponsorship from you. I'll take a mad spotter. Hey, <laughs> what are we? Sorry, Jinkos. Really, really, really wide jeans. Right. Comically wide. They make Kevin Smith's jorts look like they're well fitting. I see. Man, really fucking inside baseball here with the jeans talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at least all the jeans head listeners are going ballistic. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Jeans well, listeners, write us in, tell us your favorite gene. Please do. Mm. Please yeah. do. What's your favorite gene? We'll, well, no, we'll come to this when we, you know. Good. Yeah, we'll cross that. Because <laughs> I was just about to say, because I know them. <laughs> no, don't alienate any of the jeans heads. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about over a dozen Pearl Jam songs at this point, and out of the originals, this might be the least quote-unquote Pearl Jam song that we've talked about. Leaving Here and Last Kiss have excuses for not sounding like Pearl Jam because they're not technically Pearl Jam songs, Yeah, but these are, which makes things a little more interesting to me. As you mentioned, this is a really experimental era for the band, and the fact it went gold instead of platinum means not everyone was on board with it, not willing to kind of go along with it, but... Those that were, I think, were really rewarded because, yeah, this has kind of become like a cult favourite a record. Like, this is a cool answer to give as your mm. favourite Pearl Jam record, you know what I mean? This record was the debut of Matt Cameron. So Matt joined after Yield came out. So former Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer Jack Irons was playing drums for them at the time. And then he left before the Yield tour and Matt Cameron, formerly of Soundgarden, joined and has played with the band ever since. And I find it really interesting purely from a drumming standpoint because Matt Cameron routinely has been a drummer that has all the subtlety of a swinging hammer. Uh, He also made a fucking wild record a few years back. It was him, Janet Weiss, and Zach Hill. Three drum kits, one room, a 45-minute improvised three-kit drum solo called Drumgasm. Uh Uh-huh. That's a real thing. Sure. 
It's really fucking good. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really interesting to see him in this kind of environment where he really has to kind of draw it back. Again, by means of contrast, uh, Mike McCready's guitar solo in this is fantastic, uh, really heavy in tone, uh, points to a lot of... Like the band's hero, Neil Young. Obviously, I think there's there's a lot of yeah. Uh, yeah. like that uh, guitar sound in it. Uh, there's a really dark undertone to this song, as you mentioned, and yeah, like the way it kind of sprawls and moves along at this kind of creeping kind of pace. Like uh, it's not a go-to Pearl Jam classic, but I I still think it's a, a fantastic song all the same. This is a real like appreciating Pearl Jam for what they do beyond simple rock music. Mm. Yeah, great tune. Mm. Number 84, this is Metallica. This is I Disappear. making their return to the Triple J Hottest 100, coming in at number 84 with a song called I Disappear. It comes from the soundtrack to the Tom Cruise classic Mission Impossible 2. It's the worst Mission Impossible. Comfortably. Oh, yeah. Comfortably. You can't fight me on this. I don't know. To me, there are no bad Mission Impossible. I can think of one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, you know, I may have gotten really excited when I found out that it was on the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack, not because of this song, but for certain other songs we might talk about. Maybe. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Who knows what that could be? Um, It'll wait, just be wait, one of those days. I don't days. know, and other people do know. I don't know. Oh, okay, it looked like you did know. Take a look around on the internet and uh, you'll find it. Uh, uh, this is going to be fantastic, Dave. Oh, yeah, you're going to hate it, oh. and I know why you, you want to hate it. <laughs> All right, so the real story here is do, we were talking last week about Madonna and how music was one of the first Napster kind of, like, lawsuit songs. The most famous band v Napster case of all is Metallica v Napster, and this was the song that kicked that off. Money good, Napster bad. Yeah, so this was being aired on US radio stations, and and Metallica were like, how? How is this prior to release being on on these radio stations? And they found out it was because it was being... Spread around on Napster somehow. Ah. And that is how that all started. This is so funny, man. Like, <laughs> I literally laughed out loud because one of the first things you hear lyrically is, is hey, 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 I went down the road. That is exactly what we do when we're making fun of <laughs> yeah. Metallica. James Fat Albert Hetfield. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if I was being complimentary, I think that the song is kind of trying to embody a bit of a blues soul to it. You know, in the also, way that- it's trying to re-embody into Sandman's riff. Dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Pretty dude. much. I'm, I'm s- not even a big Metallica fan. And I was like, yeah. you guys wanted to into Sandman too. <laughs> and I'm so upset, considering that we have the Unforgiven trilogy. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 didn't they already start- know how to do sequels. They Just didn't- name it. Just do another franchise. Where's the, the other Sandman, Sandman again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sandman comes back. Yeah. What you could have done and should have done, because you've barely disguised it as being as part of the Sandman expanded universe. <laughs> it's clearly there. But the hey, hey, hey's aren't just at the beginning. That's most of the fucking yeah. song, because the song is repetitive as shit as well. If you love that send up, then like off you go. That's what you got. This is definitely the sign of Saint Anger to come. Like, <laughs> oh boy. Like, when you hear this track, it is just so unsurprising that they're they're on the verge of making, making Saint Anger the most like hated and reviled metal album of all time. <laughs> aside from maybe Lulu. I was which gonna they say until the, the one which after. They, which they also made. Um, I can't believe this is the same band that made Master of Goddamn Pup. <laughs> I listened to Puppets recently. It's so fucking good. Like <laughs> Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> 
It's very pantomime It's so... And have you seen the clip? The Look clip. out, Metallica. He's behind you. Look out, Metallica. They're playing your song on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. The film clip is so it's essential to part of experiencing this song, I think. Because all... Oh, it's good, man. It's like... It's them playing on like a... Like the top of a desert. Like a like a desert peak kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, Guess which country? It's America. <sighs> Interspersed with clips of like the band members. Like one of them's like getting hassled by the suits. Oh, is he? It's them just like being in locations where like actiony things happen. Hetfield jumping out of a building and shit. The film clip is exactly what a early 2000s action movie soundtrack song is. <laughs> it's so spot on for yeah. it. Has a but it's also what a Metallica film clip yeah. is. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just the perfect crossover of those two things. Like you can just tell like Metallica are just kind of like... They have the money to make their own action film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it would I, would, just be, I would absolutely watch that. It would just be frowned nah, upon. I'd watch that too. <laughs> for them to do. But like, it just outs Metallica as like, you know, in uh, in Parks and Rec, how like Andy <laughs> sets up in his own living room and he like crashes through his own window and like, <laughs> does his own action film in his own house. It's like, that. That's every member of Metallica. Like, yeah. that's, they were just doing that all the time. <laughs> Musically, right? Does this feel more like. It, it feels more like there's like a grunge sound to this, more so than just traditional metal, right? I guess because it's a bit shorter, kind of short, fast riff work compared to like, I guess like, again, right? It is obviously drawing on similar chord progression to Enter Sandman's riff, but... Just the structure of the riff as well, yeah. like in the way the way that it kind of progresses and stuff. Like, it's just... Yeah. Like, overall, as, as a non-Metallica fan, I thought this was like not that bad. Yeah, it's I was like, like, this is fine. It's fine. It's kind of fun in the chorus. Like, mm. there's a bit of pop. Sensibility. You know, I was like, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But we're not Metallica fans, <laughs> yeah, so it's okay for us to think it's all right. Yeah. Even better, it's probably really good for us to big it up to other Metallica <laughs> fans. So, like all the classic Master of Puppets, Enter Sandman, I Disappear. That's a big one. Yeah. There are Metallica fans who just ride for their whole discography. Yeah, yeah of course. Well, clearly, you know, like who so... else is voting for it? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Who is? Big Mission Impossible heads. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You. Yeah. <laughs> Your mate. <laughs> Tom Cruise. the worst one. It is the worst one. <laughs> Actually, I didn't see the most recent one. So. Oh, that one's good. Yeah, that was really good. The the one with Alec Baldwin. He's in a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and yeah. Simon Pegg. And... He's definitely yeah. in a few, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby Yoda's there. Baby Yoda. <laughs> Fred Durst. So what you want to do? A lot, <laughs> lot of mates. A lot yeah, of mates. They, they certainly half-assed it with the lyrics, though. Like, every verse is just them saying, hey, hey, hey. And like, I went down the road. And like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck are you talking then about, son? Then I went to son? the shops and that. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I went to the hat store today <laughs> yeah. and I got myself a hat. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, the, the lyrics were an absolute afterthought. This is clearly they've been contracted to write, hey, it's the early 2000s. We need to have a sound that defines action movie soundtracks. And they this, were like... To its credit, it does have a very action movie sound to it. Like, I can, That's the thing, right? Yeah, like, I can they, imagine shit blowing up in the background yeah. while this is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's, that's exactly what the song is for, right? And mm, so yeah. to that extent, I guess it achieved its goal, but... I still think it's kind of an okay song. It's, it is what it is. It's no one's favourite Metallica song. I reckon it is. <laughs> <laughs> it might be mine. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> now, Good bit. <laughs> I don't want to be quoted on this, but I am somewhat sure that this is the final Metallica song to feature Jason Newstead correct. on bass guitar before he promptly quit in the year 2001. That is correct. Well, there you go. That is this morning. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He asked Metallica, hey, can we take a break for a year? How many times did he say hey? <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 hey. And that's how he got the yeah. idea. Yeah. James is like writing down a song. <laughs> By God, Jason, he's got it. <laughs> while Jason's trying to talk You're to him. You're a genius. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted Metallica to take a break for a year or so so he could work on a side <laughs> project. we just stop? <laughs> like, yeah. Before we do something. <laughs> we regret. Do you have other things on? No, I just we need to stop. I don't this. want to do it for a bit. At Last least. night I was I... visited by three ghosts. <laughs> yeah, they were Saint Anger, Death Magnetic, and Lulu. <laughs> All the ghosts were Metallica yet to come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the, the ghost of Metallica yet to come. Well, the other guy was that. There's another one as well. You're gonna have to strap in. Yeah, but he left because he wanted to work on his like one of his side. Yeah, his solid project Newstead. Yeah, and and how good was it? Not great. Well, it wasn't St. Anger. So. Not great, Bob. Yeah, I was like, how does it compare to yeah. Lulu? And then who replaced him, David? A guy called Robert Trujillo. Yeah. And he's Trujillo? still in the band Trujillo. now, Trujillo. isn't it? From yes. Suicidal yeah. Tendencies. From Suicidal Tendencies, yes, oh. indeed. Whose son, uh, maybe a year or two ago... Is a pro wrestler. 
No. Oh, took a guess. <laughs> that was... No, you, really you good guess. Filled, you in, it, filled in on base for a band we will be talking about later, like this episode. Oh, my God. Really? Yes. Man. Uh, I better know which one. Yeah, same. Oh, yes, <laughs> but I really want it to be the next band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, this song features one of the coolest things that I've ever seen on a Wikipedia page, which is a world map uh, with little pins noting everywhere that this song has ever been performed. There's it's no so shit. There's I'm no looking bo- at the map now. <laughs> it's terrible. There, there's, there's and there's no, there's no body copy. No way. No, suggesting I, that I've going never to be a map. seen that on a on a, any other artist. It's needless. Like, any Someone other songs made that. Yeah. Someone thought of it. What an afternoon. But they it's had. it's just not that impressive. Oh come on! Well, this is a good think, afternoon. Well, the fact there's there's so little means like it's a rarity. For me, a rarity would be like ten, but there's like forty or something. Is Australia on that map? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Hell yeah, bitch. Here we go. Number 84. Four dots, pay it. four dots in Australia. What about France? We're cursing uh, Nathan's geography skills here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks like yes for France, no for the UK. Ooh. Brexit. Brexit. Brexit and all that. Yeah. <laughs> At number 83, this is Skunk Hour with Kick in the Door. Oh, right in the door. Oof. Oof! Yeah, how they got in the countdown. One, two. I camped the five, and you're still in there. I'm gonna kick in the door. <laughs> well, I hope Skunk Hour have a warrant. Four and a half. Coming in at number 83 with Kick in the Door. All right, here we go. Skunk Hour back again. I reckon we're up to like four or five times. I think this is, this this, is the fourth. This is the fourth and, spoiler alert, final. final. But the yeah. first time I was like, we'll never hear this band again. And the second time it was like, well, surely not. Like, mm. yeah. Previously, we spoke about them in 95, 97, 99 with these songs Up to Our Necks in It, Weightlessness, and Home. I think I didn't mind weightlessness. That's mm. the order in which I prefer them. Oh, yeah. Mm. That's, yeah. I wonder where this one will fall if the trajectory will continue. Um, <laughs> this is from their, their last record called The Go, uh, which it was their first major label release on Universal. Because ostensibly they were like a funky band, yeah? yeah. Mm. Ostensibly. Yeah, funky band. Yeah, ostensibly in, in, in bold because <laughs> this is not that funky. This being their major label debut, maybe they tried to up the poppiness or whatever, and it feels like that because, like, I'm not saying that their other shit was amazing, but like, this feels so middle of the road, video hits at 11 in the morning, generic stuff, right? Like, the funk sound is practically entirely gone. Yeah. There's sounds in here that could have been in like a cool kind of indie rock sound, but they've been mm. watered down to like soft drink commercial pop. Yeah. Out of the four songs, I have the least sense of the identity of Skunk Hour in, yeah. this, in this song. Like, yeah. This could be any band. Well, Whereas the other three songs, whether we like them or not, they were fairly unique. Yeah. No one else was doing it in the countdown. At yeah, least. I don't know exactly where it comes in as well. I think it's partly production. I think it's partly vocal performance. I just want, just scuff it up a bit. You know what I mean? Like get get a little bit mad about something. Well, think yeah, about I, how I, great I, Metallica used to be, <laughs> and then you channel that. I can't think of music less suited to kicking down a door. <laughs> That's it, right? Mm. You don't have to kick down the door. That's not. Nothing's moving. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like the little, like, piano chords that punctuate it. Like, I think there's, there's, there's enough of a groove here. You, yeah, you know what I actually nice think little it, sevenths and stuff like that. You know what I actually think it needs? It needs to be faster. Yeah. Just yeah, a little fair. bit faster. Just a little bit more energy. Maybe try playing it back on YouTube at 1.25 speed. Machine, where have you been? Too and fast. 1.1. Machine, where have you been? Yeah. 1.15, maybe. Okay. And, and like you play it through like a good speaker, but in like a room that has some like reverb. Scuff it up a bit. Mm. My favorite thing about Skunk Hour, whenever it comes up, is we once again get to bring up that Dell 
the vocalist who left Skunk Hour sometime before. Because this is very much the band. We talked about the last time we talked about Skunk Hour, they were saying like they weren't going to continue, but they released that single, which made them then proceed to release the album. And, we, and they just broke up soon after the release of that because again it just didn't they were just becoming disillusioned with the music industry which is sad and crap like and i can see how you'd you'd kind of do that and how it's must be hard to make music from that place as well but dell who was in the band long before any of that happened was he the spoken word guy he was the spoken word guy who left to pursue a career as an animator for disney oh yeah yeah. so he got that mouse money he got that mouse Mm. money and he, for all we know, was working on either The Emperor's New Groove or Monsters, Inc. at this time. Or Kim Possible. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, maybe. Fuck. Have you read the quote from the vocalist A.L. Larkin about why they broke up before? No. Do you have him? Yeah. He says, um, we decided that we'd rather move on now and look at some other possibilities uh, while we're still drawing big crowds. Unfortunately, the last album was only heard on Triple J and some community stations, so we didn't really reach the mainstream with it. This was despite our hopes that the album might take us to another level. It was given great reviews, and we really thought the music got, got back in touch with the fans, but we overall just wanted to go out on a high, which we didn't, uh, we didn't want to overstay our welcome. Bemoaning only getting played on Triple J sounds a bit snooty to me. Well, I mean, nowadays, but you have to understand that Triple J was occupying a different spot. But that is super funny considering that now the complaint from bands is we never got played on Triple Triple J. J. Triple J passed us over. Yeah. Wow. Look, yeah, there are some nice caudal flourishes and there's a couple of okay things. But I think the home truth about Skunk Hour is that they could never be described as someone's favourite band. You look at the other four bands that we are talking about in this episode, all of them, regardless of your opinion of them overall, could easily be positioned and and posited as someone's favourite band. Absolutely. I don't think Skunk Hour fill that void for, for in, in anything they've done creatively. I reckon Zink, at the time... However. Oh, look. <laughs> yeah. I reckon at the time there were people that would have been like super into Skunk Hour Less so with this song, but I think that the stuff we've heard, they've shown that they were trying to do things that other people weren't doing, and I reckon there would have been people that connected heaps with that. I reckon they were probably great live. I can see that. Whether they're still that person's favourite band, but um, I'm really bummed out by that quote. The idea of, like, we want to end on a high, and then it just doesn't work. Mm. Oh, man. But they say like we wanted to go out on a high, kind of implying that like they were happy, very happy creatively with it, and said while well, we're still drawing big crowds. Did they go on to do anything else? The members kind of thing? Not really. No need. They got that Disney money. <laughs> One oh, of them. No, does. <laughs> no. He's. I don't think he's passed it on that mouse oh, money. You reckon? Oh, you reckon? Oh. I don't think Dell. No. Del I reckon. He, I reckon beforehand he would have been like, if I ever get that mouse money, I'm mm. going to share it. But then once you're over there, once yeah. you've got. <laughs> Where do you think you're going? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But, but I don't think you would. You'd be like, I'm leaving the band. I'd rather, I want to get into career animation. And I'm like, okay, right, good for yeah. you. And then he'd be working little animation jobs before he struck up big and went over to Disney. It's like if they... He like, went straight to Disney from what I understand. He's out of the door. Well, walked straight in. I'm sure we had to do... He have, kicked it down. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this song is about. about. That's what the song was oh, about. Yeah. I like your moxie. <laughs> you're in. <laughs> Um, but You've like a lot of balls, kid. <laughs> I'm just having fun being with being <laughs> I don't know whether that comes across. <laughs> if they like left him and said, like, you're not in the band anymore, if they then got like super big, do you reckon they'd be like writing him checks? You have a very kind view. <laughs> but the real question Nathan was nodding very enthusiastically. <laughs> very naively. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone stays friends forever, right? 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 We should they probably still live in the same house. Yeah. We should all like rewatch the Emperor's New Groove and see whether any of it can be misconstrued. As or giant. Const- or construed. Why that one fantastic idea? Because it came out in 2000. Oh, okay. It's and the it's time. fucking great. And What's whether there's any. Someone like, probably kicks a door down in what, there. David what? Spade. Maybe this was angling for a soundtrack spot. Man, that would be like. <laughs> that would be so funny. <laughs> what was yeah. the guy's name? Del. Del. So like, up, yeah. Hey, hey, Del. Uh, we've, uh, oh, this song's called Monsters Inc. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just <laughs> we're in a song. Maybe you could just. Look, you know, we know you're, you're busy. Maybe you could just show it to. Um, you know, if you could just get it in front of the right person, you know, um, uh, Del, the right, the right mouse, any mouse, uh, any mouse. I know. I'll tell you what, Dell Larkin was working on in two thousand one. You, you know, I went to his IMDb page. Off he goes. An extremely goofy movie. Oh, he did the goofy one. Hell yeah, mm. brother! Wait, is that the good one or the other one? Isn't the good one? They're before? all. They all have goofy. It's a weird Trick question, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I outed myself as an idiot. <laughs> Fuck, dude, you just played yourself so no, that, hard. No, that's the sequel. It's the crappier one. 
A yeah. goofy movie is the good a one. A goofy movie. Yeah. Right? They're both good. Are they both good though? Yes. Uh, he was, yeah, he was but they can't both have that cool song at the start. Where... I've got to be getting goofy. Yeah. With uh, Max. <laughs> Man, this guy's a real sequel guy. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, he's... he's... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not you gotta, sure. You got to do your time in the sequels before you yeah. get graduated. You're on the B team. I'm not, I'm not sure if this is his entire career as an animator, and I really hope it fucking isn't because there's only ten titles. Um, it takes a long time to draw shit, man. <laughs> but he worked on the Jungle Book two, 2003. That's all right. Peter Pan two, Return to Neverland. Um, Lady and the Tramp two, Scamp's Adventure. The Little Mermaid two, Return to the Sea. Lilo and Stitch two, Stitch has a glitch. What? <laughs> Little Lilo and Stitch two, Stitch has a glitch. Okay. Oh, you haven't seen that? No. Oh, wow. I've seen none of these titles That's so far. Interesting to me. <laughs> Is it? Um, what else? I oh, know you don't support Polynesian animation. <laughs> um, so why not? Mickey, Donald, Goofy, The Three Musketeers, The Lion King 3, Hakuna Matata, uh, and Tarzan 2, The Legend Begins. Good on him. That's more than I've animated. Yeah. yeah. Like, way more. Yeah. Not dragging the dude. Yeah. For all we know, it could it's have a dope. lot of um, He's got uncredited that mouse shit, money. man. Mouse money. Mouse money. <laughs> and number 82, this is Muse. <laughs> Musical <laughs> guests. This is Sunburn. Kings of the Hottest 100 Muse making their debut in the Triple J Hottest 100 coming in at number 82 in the 2000 countdown that is the song Sunburn the lead single from their debut album Showbiz this is the first of at least a dozen entries over the next decade or so these guys are everywhere and yeah. the greatest journeys begin with a single step. And here we go. Muse with Sunburn. Adam. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Pandora's box has been opened, baby. Well, that's kind of it, right? And it's very hard now to look at Muse in context because we just know what they what they stand for. <laughs> and what we know what they become, right? Yeah. And full disclosure... That's very, very bad. <laughs> Muse get real bad. And you know what? Honestly, even this song, it's a lot. Regardless of whether you like it or you you don't feel anything about it at all or you absolutely hate it, it's just a fucking lot. In fact, I don't even know whether you can sit comfortably in the middle ground with this because it just demands so goddamn much. But... I think, and I'm very much outing myself as coming from a context of a 14-year-old kid who absolutely rode and died for large music, for big, where anything that was like soaring and big and and lots of stuff was happening and, and it was virtuosic and technicolor. Like that is all here with this. And if you are able to just put a little bit of cynicism aside and and maybe just kind of look at it for, for what it kind of is and just like allow that to kind of like wash over you and whatever. It's so exciting and it's so energizing and there's just so much grandiosity about it. And yeah, like there is a part of me that definitely wants to give Matt Bellamy a noogie. For, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like big time. It's like, you don't need to give it all that, man. But at the same time, like to, to be able to just be the queen of the generation that has Radiohead and Blur is kind of cool because that's really what they what they are. They're bringing that more jaded, I don't know, grungier kind of element w- that exists in the musical landscape, but with all the grandiosity that you kind of had with Queen. I see yeah, a direct, a direct yeah, kind of lineage. Really I, I was thinking, I was like, yeah, I, I think Muse are the maximalist Radiohead, but I think yeah. the Queen to, yeah, 
Absolutely. You know what I mean? I mean, Queen are one of the most maximalist bands that I can kind of think of. And oh, they, totally. And they entirely wrote on that idea of virtuosity, which which Muse do kind of as well. So I'm just going to come straight out and say that I, I even now I love this. And I don't know what's in operation, whether it's like I still really get into this era of Muse because it's just genuinely really cool. And I haven't listened to them in a long time. Like this was the first time I'd returned to them in like ages. And this isn't even one of my like really favorite Muse songs. I think the albums that they make directly after this being... Uh, uh, the origin of symmetry and absolution. Like mm. they were the ones that really, really got me. And then to a lesser extent, Black Holes and Revelations was also really yeah. important to me yeah, as yeah. well. That's a big high school record. Oh, definitely. So I don't know whether it is just the nostalgia that's in operation or whether like I was going back and listening to them, you know, they are just kind of like genuinely good and fun and 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 able to be, you know, get lost in. I can't I can't answer that question. All I know is that like this song still does it for me, man. Like I think that bass line in the chorus mm. is so good. Yeah. The, the piano right at the end, that kind of run, is really nice. And the, I think the melodies and whatever, like even the the screechy, almost Tom Morello-y kind of solo oh, is really Bellamy is really always cool has been a shithot guitar player. Well, he's been a shithot everything. Like, and that's part of the reason why he's such a dork, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can do that. And yeah, you can do that on the guitar. And yeah, okay, you can sing like that as well. All right, mate, we get it. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I can totally understand that being someone's reaction to this. But at the same time, like, yeah, where I land with it is I find it really exciting. I could have gone either way, and I did several times, changed my (laughs) position. It's like, do I come back and, like, just be cynical and, and, you know, like, say, like, 14-year-old Adam was an idiot, or do I actually just kind of give some credit there? But I think I enjoy this song a lot. I still do enjoy this song. I like this song. I like this record because it shows the potential of what's to come for them on their next album. I feel like this is kind of like, to use the obvious comparison, when you listen to Pablo Honey, this band is is very much in the Radiohead before they went weird phase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, to the me, timeline branches at the bends and one end goes yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah. to me, this sounds like the heavy bends. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy bends. I, yeah. I, I can I can appreciate that. Yeah, and that's the yeah, ace to have the heavy bends. I didn't know I didn't know this song. <laughs> Oh um, right, yeah, okay. Yeah. I've never really been into Muse, but like you'd, you'd know, like the big songs. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like oh, I know we've most all played of the Guitar Hero, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, this um, it's fucking kind of cool. I feel weird to say something that Muse has done is cool, but like <laughs> they rock here. The riff work is really good. Bellamy's yeah. vocal performance is very good. Again, it sounds like the bends, but heavier, and I like the bends. Or so. like Coldplay, but way heavier. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> way, way heavier. <laughs> Yeah, like it sounds just like a band who love Radiohead but also love Queen and love rocking out a bit harder than either of those bands did in a, in a garage kind of thing. It, it sounds – this is a kind of a cool song. Like I, I agree the solo is very good. Bellamy's vocals are very good. This is a surprisingly good song. I saw it on the list and I was like, ah, a Muse track. I think it was going to be something I, didn't, I wasn't really into, but like – it's kind of cool. It's probably the most fun I've had with the Muse track. So we get to enjoy this little tom- temporal oasis that we have right yeah. here. Where Muse, where Muse are still good. Yeah. It's a nice little t- trip back in time where we can accept that this is just yeah. like, ah. Ah, oh, right. Bellamy never got visited by the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> or if he did, he, he, he shooed them he away. But the, their warnings. The ghosts are far off at this point. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So Muse are like very high school for me, but not in the sense that I listened to them at all, but that I felt like everywhere around was high school bands wanting to be Muse. Mm, yeah, mega. Oh, yeah. It's very hard. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, God. Because yeah. this is a pretty good track, and and I see how you would listen to stuff like this and be like, oh, I wish we could do that, because it would it would feel amazing to to perform something that big yeah. that well. Yeah. Obviously, kids can't do it, because kids are shit. But also, but, like, it makes sense that kids are attracted to it as well because of that the bigness yeah, you know I mean? that's that's a very teenage palette musically. But also, even though the lyrics are kind of talking about corporate shows, like it doesn't feel cynical at all. I don't think there's like a kind of wryness or anything. Like it's not sardonic in the slightest. I don't mm. think. Mm. I think it's very sincere, mm. just because it has to be to be so big. And it's also got yeah. that you know real virtuosic thing that you're talking about. Like they're really pushing that, and it's the Queen thing as well. Yeah, yeah, and that. To me, when I'm thinking back to high school, I'm thinking about being in a great punk band <laughs> that probably could have, you know, had it all. Been good. Were it not for all the, <laughs> the Muse wannabes taking up the stages or whatever. But <laughs> mid to late high school is when I got into music and when I got excited about music. And I got excited about punk because punk was not about virtuosity at all. 
punk was about like energy and it wasn't about having big fancy amps. It was about making do with what you've got, mm. but being clever and being energetic and having fun. Yeah. And this kind of music, particularly at the time, but I, like I still hold on to it because I'm a, you know, a bitter, horrible person that can't <laughs> let go of grudges. But this music always feels like the opposite to that. That's just like a, a little microcosm of how punk came about, right? Because you had the 70s pro yeah. guys. Yeah, totally. You had Led Zeppelin and the Ramones were like... Pfft. But but it also grounded in high school and grounded in, in the other bands that I saw and the people playing it, Muse and bands that want to be Muse, which I can't separate from Muse yeah. because I just can't, is like private school boys. Oh, it's, yeah. It's they, private school boys dude, yeah. that, that have been playing a really nice guitar with a huge amp for 15 years yeah. and I have a shitty beginner thing and I'm not very good, but I can play some Friends of Rom songs. <laughs> and so... I don't know what my point is, but like I, I can't, I can't escape that. That makes so much sense. But this, this is a good song. Like it's yeah. fun. It like I, I get it. I totally get why, especially as, as like, as a teenage boy, particularly, I get why you'd get sucked into this stuff so hard. But like, yeah, it's just it's missing the things that made music important to me yeah. when it was first important to me, and I can never like forgive. I don't know. I'm just being so dramatic, but, no, no, but no. I can't separate it from from the other people that I saw that were so much the other. Yeah, mm. I think you've also identified exactly what went wrong with Muse, and I don't want to dwell on that too much because, again, I'm enjoying living in the world. Yeah, where Muse yeah, is good and, for them and I don't want to, you know, no, no, eat no. anyone's sweet. But no, you're right. The the fact that they couldn't be more cynical and they couldn't be more ironic and they had to keep that sincerity to be as big, you add like political motivation on top of that as they did. And then all of a sudden you get like... Drones or whatever that one is. Is it called uh, drones? uh, Just the whole, they will never... 1984. Oh, oh, fucking um, uprising. Yeah, like... Mm. Which is a song they performed on SNL in 2009... Musical guests, <laughs> Muse, and your host, James Franco. Oh, boy. That's dated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's what went wrong. I, but speaking of also teenage bands, because Bellamy got started quite early and had a few bands in high school. Well, are you prepared to tell us what the name of that fine punk band you were in was and compare that to some of Matt Bellamy's band names in high school? Because oh, I'm telling oh, you. Happily. Yeah. Here right. we go. And anyone else who had a band in high school here? I'm here. Yeah, all right, yeah. and and you're and or we'll all say our band names. And we can compare them to, to sure. those of Matt Bell on me. Cool. Yeah. We were when in they... Munching Limbs, yeah, which later became Run on Mum, yeah, and well, for a time was the Gluten Trio. The Gluten Trio. Yeah. There you go. Right. <laughs> I. Forgot about the gluten that's trio. good. Gluten Trio is good. <laughs> I was in a band originally called Attempted Explanation. Uh, we then changed their name to Once and Always. I was also in a band called Traders of the Precinct. That was so named because the other guy in my band had come up with this name, Traitors of the Precinct, and asked me to write it down. I misheard him, oh, yes. and I wrote down Traitors of the Precinct, and that's what we became. It's a better was, name. Was the first band that you were in kind of like an emotional rock band? Uh, no, we were... Uh, the name we were, sounds like an emotional rock attempt band. Attempt explanation. It was, it was just a straight up bumming around in our garage and playing like funk-inspired alternative rock because we all liked... Green Day and the yeah, Red right. Hot Chili Peppers yeah. and Nirvana and Green Day and yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> and Nirvana. Foo Fighters. The Foo Fighters. Yeah. We may have covered an audio slave <laughs> yeah. song. Yeah. I like four say? bands. Yeah. <laughs> Our go-to cover was Gay Bar by Electric Six. Ah, very good. Yeah. Kids loved it. Oh, they would have. Well, Matt Bellamy. No, no, no. Adam. Hmm? Come on. You what? haven't gone. I didn't have uh, no bullshit. I've seen the photos. <laughs> Come on, man! <laughs> <laughs> You've seen Diddly Squat. I honestly can't remember what the name of that band. Okay, right. What the name of that band? Make it was. up. <laughs> but no matter how bad that band's name was, which we'll find out. Which... Everybody, please, if if enough people send messages asking for Adam to say the name of his band, he which will he do definitely it. Definitely remember because he. I actually can't. He right just now. loves the fans. So much. <laughs> he would do anything for you. Anyway, here are some of Matt Bellamy's band mm, names in please. no particular order. Carnage Mayhem, Ooh. Gothic Plague, Rocket Baby Dolls. <laughs> and uh, that last one, Rocket Baby Dolls, uh, was the name of the band he created when asked to take music a bit more seriously. <laughs> 
Squish. Oh, like, Would you like to hear any of those again? I mean, Andrew, I, I feel like Gothic Plague. They don't, they, but they don't sound like the kind of bands that would play Muse's music. Any three of them. I don't think them. they did at the time. Yeah, yeah, probably. But that is where he met the drummer of Muse, Dominic Howard. Ain't that some shit? Yep. I wonder what Adam's band name was. Mm. You know, yeah. Uh, also, his father, George. Mayhem George. <laughs> Gothic baby dolls. Um, <laughs> Throwing yours in amongst that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Whether I did test the waters. Like, um, was one of them kind of cool? <laughs> <laughs> they weren't all that bad, though, right, guys? One right, of them guys? Was pretty good. <laughs> His father, George Bellamy, as well, was the guitarist of 1960s pop group The Tornadoes. Now that's notable because they were the first British band. Brexit and all that, uh, to get a number one in the USA. Wow. Huh. Wow. Wow. What year was that? Even before the famous um, Silver Beatles? Even before... Uh, Pre-wings. Uh, yeah, well, they'd have to be. Huh. Because they did it. <laughs> they done did it. And why would why would they lie? Is be- there an opposite of like, um, you know, like how the, like the, obviously the name Muse comes from like the classical muses. Mm-hmm. Is there a name for the opposite of those creatures? Someone who like sapped your creativity or inspiration? Succubus? Demons. Mm. I don't know. M- mosquitoes. Bellamy. <laughs> Bellamy. Pick up that guitar hero. We're going to play Knights of Sidonia. <laughs> Expert level. I could do that, by the way. Oh, I bet you could. Yeah, I didn't have a band in high school, but I was a, I was a you had a I was You had a band in high school. Band. Stop gaslighting us, you piece of shit. We'll give you the option of saying it, but Deej and I, by next time we record an episode, we will know the name of your band. So, uh, Actually, no. I, 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 okay, I was legitimate when I said I forgot it, and I did just remember it. And it is? We were called Wake. Okay. There that's you fine. go. That's yeah, fine. it's fine. Look, it is what it is. Yeah. What was it spelt yeah. funny? No. Just wake. K, K was around the right way. Oh my god! Sorry, see, I knew it was an anticlimax. I just, I literally just couldn't remember. Yeah. It's fine. That's fine. It took ages, and there, but there it is. I think it was called. Uh, we had several uh, names before. Yeah, I can't remember any of the right. others. Yeah, doesn't matter. You spend way more time thinking of band names than yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah. just like just making like... a forum on a website. Oh, oh god, <laughs> damn it! Oh fuck! Oh, that's disgusting. What's the next song, David? I, I think about that too much. I will get it's triggered. A, I'll go into a state, man. <laughs> I don't know if this song is going to help, to be perfectly honest. I'd much rather talk about it. Well, on that note, at number 81, it's Corn with Make Me Bad. One in the hottest 100 of 2000. That is "Make Me Bad" from the album "If You've." All right. Uh, so we are coming into the new millennium and the new era of Corn as the band tries to keep everything afloat following their late 90s boom. Soon things will go early 2000s bust. They were really a metaphor for the dot com boom. Well, <laughs> everything around them was like going off in terms of new metal but like they were on kind of on the decline like after this they put out a record called untouchables which is generally unremarkable then an album called take a look in the mirror which also had its problems and then see you on the other side where they brought in like pop songwriters to try and like get back on the charts which they did to their credit but uh yeah, it took a while for them to kind of get their mojo back they went through several lineup changes the 2000s were a Interesting time for Corn, I will tell you that much. Like, I think by extension, you can say that about a lot of bands that were like big in the 90s and then 2000s is like, what do we do now? And uh, yeah, Issues is an album where they kind of attempted the ACDC approach. It's just like, oh, you liked that, did you? Well, what if we do more of that? Mm. Make Me Bad is basically 
How about if you're falling even further away from me? Yeah. It's got that down-tuned dissonance, and it also uses that... I, I don't know what the official term is, but like when you use the major chord where the minor chord normally is, as like a home home chord thing. Um, I'll, I'll pull up the official term. I'll remember it in a sec. But like it uses a lot of the same tricks and tropes and stuff like that. It's a good showcase of what the band does. You know, it's got that very hard thumb-slapping fieldy bass line. Oof. It's got, yeah, David Silvera's like huge thunderous drum work. Uh, the dynamic vocals of how Jonathan Davis would kind of use the loud, quiet, loud stuff. It's got its strengths, but yeah, this isn't like a go-to classic Korn song for me. It's funny to me thinking of how what, I know, what I've heard of Korn, this feels like a far more straightforward rock song in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's easily the, the poppiest yeah, in, the, in the traditional sense uh, song we've heard from them. Because like, apart from Fieldy's bass line, which is super high in the mix kind of, I guess, by design kind of thing. Yeah. But like, so much so that the strings create a percussive element. Yeah. <laughs> the sound of the strings add it's another percussion. layer of percussion. Yeah. Like, it feels like that's the only part of it that kind of ties it to what ideas of new metal are. It kind of feels like a more straightforward, heavy rock song. And like, particularly because Davis's vocals in this kind of eschew any of the classic kind of tropes of his kind of raspiness and that kind of thing. There's not really any of that. Yeah. Um, mm. It just feels like a... a like kind of straightforward rock song. As far as I know, it's about David. You might be able to correct me here, but mm. I, I believe it's about Jonathan Davis getting sober. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, that was a um, big thing for him throughout the two thousands as well. Yeah, and I guess like the opening lyric saying, "Watch the rise and fall of my salvation." Like, yeah. oh, I really. And going back to the Pearl Jam song we talked about earlier, maybe I think I just have a soft spot for songs dealing with addiction. But I really love the songwriting here. Yeah, I, th- I yeah. think I think lyrically, there's a lot of really good stuff coming coming on. Saying, "I'm feeling the flesh make me bad." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. again, you know, it's actually linking back to uh, what I was saying about, in, in, we're saying it in a fun way then, when we were talking about Klinger, and, you know, I've, my head feels like my mouth's been drinking. Mm. The tragic side of that is here. Yeah. It's like, you know, palming off responsibility or feeling like yeah. you're, you're somewhat out of control. You know, the, the question at the end of saying, like, does it make me bad is yeah. so heartbreaking. And also just the, the whole idea that you're feeling that desperate search for connection in the lyrics and how they're delivered and whatever, but it's also saying, like, I want you to be sick like me. Yeah. Ah. It's so rawly expressed. And it's been a huge issue for Davis, but, like, he's been yeah. sober for ages now. In fact, yeah, all yeah, of Corn yeah. are, and they have been for quite some time. Yeah. Um, which is great. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm. for sure. Uh, I found it. Uh, so what I was looking for when uh, the minor resolves to the major chord, it's called a Picardy third. Oh. Uh, a and Picardy third. A Picardy third. And because uh, the Baron stole our word for something else, or <laughs> I mean, sure, <laughs> why not? <laughs> what, what, who stole? Uh, sure, have fun with that, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Talking <funny>. music. Ha <laughs> 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 ha. Now, do we want to talk about the other version? of this song. Are you talking about the unplugged version? Mm. Yeah, yes, oh, I am. Boy. Real, 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 real indeed met Andrew Hours. Worlds collide, baby. <laughs> I did don't... you have a listen to it? I did, yes. Uh, what were the, your thoughts? The, the, when Korn did an MTV Unplugged set in uh, 2006, 2007, yeah, around, around then, then, they did this the, the regular Unplugged kind of thing, and then one of the last tracks they did was this, and then Jonathan Davis was like, oh, I want to bring on some very special guests because they're they were paid by childhood years kind of thing like that. They really shaped me as a songwriter and as a person and we couldn't be more honoured to have be welcomed by The Cure. And all of The Cure came out and it doubled as the Whoa. band. Um, and Robert Smith was like, stat- stood next to Jonathan Davies. And generally as the song's just going on, Robert's kind of just like, Doing providing backup vocals, yeah. Like so, he do, does do, the call and response in the yeah, in the he goes, He's doing like it's, Robert's been make, doing the make me make bad, yeah, make me bad, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he sounds good because yeah. Robert Smith always sounds good. And then instead and then, of doing the second verse, instead of doing the second verse, it goes into a medley of a minor key version of the Cure's in between, in between days. days, yeah, yeah. Yesterday the day I, I felt so old, I felt like I could cry, die. yeah. But like, but it's this minor key version fitting in the line, with yeah, fitting in with this. the same chordal like loops yeah. of make me bad and then to match Davies is providing backup vox for that and yeah. he's kind of doing the ooh ah uh, ah uh, uh, kind of voice <laughs> oh no like yeah like it's, it's, a, it's is a, it it's okay. a wild combo yeah do we come out with a net positive from this or not I, I don't re- know I really, <laughs> I really like it I think it made me like corn a little bit more and it didn't diminish my love for the cure so <laughs> and it made me like the cure a little bit no. like. 
That's good, uh, man. It also features a really good version of Freak on a Leash with uh, Amy Lee from Evanescence uh, doing backing vocals. That's far does, less does surprising. Amy, does Amy Lee do the wah ah No, she does the, you'll never see the like ah, it, makes sense. Yeah, surely, yeah, yeah. If, if they're getting someone from Evanescence to the ooh ah ah, surely they're getting the <laughs> can't wake up guy. Well, well the well, from the Twelve story, Stone. What was his name? Mike McCoy. Um, He's from t- uh, Christian rock band Twelve Stones. Twelve Stones. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wow. um, Doesn't matter how I know that. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, so can't wake up was about the no, Lord. Jesus did wake up, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. the whole point of the resurrection. Yeah, those non-Christians, Paul, Paul McCoy. So uh, the original version. So the original. McCoy. Well, the original <laughs> the version of McCoy. Bring Me to Life just had Wake Me Up Inside, yeah. Wake Me Up Inside, and that's how they wanted. And then the label was just like, "There's something missing. Like we we need something." We to, need like, something to be a meme in about 15 years, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I get that it was forced on them via a major label, but I honestly think Paul McCoy, like, makes that song. Oh, because, totally. Yeah, like, that that chorus, like, call and response, like, makes that song for me. I agree. Plus, it's it's plus, far more enjoyable. Plus the bridge. To. That fucking bit is amazing. And they just fucking cut that when they play that live. Oh, wow. Like, it just... I'm just like, dude, you have guys in the band. You have a microphone in front of them. Let someone sing <laughs> that Thousands bit. of people that would happily do it. Just imagining the record exec coming I don't believe that you can't wake up. Can we get someone to just make it explicit yeah. that you can't wake up? Yeah. Can we get a man to wake up? Why can't she just wake up? Yeah. Can someone come in here and explain that she can't wake up? A lot of women say they can't wake up, but they really can. Can we get someone with authority in here to justify why she can't wake up? I'll give you I'll give you guys something because I took so we, long coming up with my high school band name. I was gonna right. say, we, yeah, we did go. you? I didn't notice. I was gonna say we got way off from talking about corn there. That very same high school band definitely did that Evanescence song. Nice. Hell yeah. fuck yeah, I, I definitely was the the Paul McCoy. Did you have a woman in the band? She couldn't wake up. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we got someone. Uh, someone right, okay, we, we yeah. looped someone in. Yeah. We didn't know. No, it was a high school band. We didn't have a woman in the band. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Of course we did. Oh, ouch for high school bands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take that. Yeah. yeah. Or you know what? Be better. Yeah, well. Be better. Pull your Do socks better, up. Guys. <laughs> it's easy for us to say now that we can't Pull be in high school. Pull your fucking socks up. Second time this season I've fucking referenced Nanette. But it's I remember what it was called this time. Jonathan, yeah. have you seen Nanette? <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, it's just so timely, Andrew, isn't yeah, it? It's Nanette? so timely. Everyone's still talking about yeah, Nanette. Nanette. Yeah. Well, they might be actually because um depending on when this comes <laughs> out. Yeah. Anna Gatsby's got Douglas. a Yeah, Douglas might be on Netflix, but the time has come out. <laughs> it may have been on there for years. Maybe. Yeah. What's say? Netflix? <laughs> oh, that's that oh, old. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Before it got bought out by the Disney Plus. Yeah. Before all anyone watched was TikToks. Yeah. <laughs> on um, Disney Plus. Yeah. Oh, baby, de- baby Yoda on TikTok. Baby Yoda um, on TikTok. But yeah, honestly. That said, I-, I know what I'm doing on my way home. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Is that the Emperor's New Groove? On Disney Plus, baby. Yeah. I, my favorite version of this song is on that. On the Emperor's New Crew. Yeah, when he sings. What? Yeah, oh, yeah. Make me bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Make me bad. Because <laughs> he's a llama. That's what I meant. I don't know. I was just putting it out there. <laughs> well, me and Andrew are trying to talk about corn. Seriously. <laughs> well, um, go on, then. Yeah, honestly, this is, I, I enjoyed this more than I did most other corn songs. Yeah, I think same. there's something here. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just because it's less corn. Yeah, maybe that's like, right, right? This was a test for me because, like, as I said, this podcast and going through the corn songs that we went through was me realizing that I maybe am kind of a bit into it. Uh Oh, so this was like the corn song that I didn't really know. Whereas the others I kind of knew. So this was a real kind of like test. And I think it, it did pass. Like I, I I enjoyed the song. I got a lot out of it. Fuck. Yeah. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of hottest one hundreds and thousands. Thanks so much for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. We're here for you. We want to know what your high school band was called. Oh, yes, yes we, we do. do. Send that shit yeah. in. Uh, hottest 100s and thousands at gmail.com or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Hottest 100s. Nathan will make a sick meme. Oh, so many dope memes. And he'll... he'll uh, I wonder if there's a picture of anyone's band that I have. No. You, do you have it? Yeah. What, did you saved it? Yeah. That's, <laughs> did I save it? Don't post anything on the internet and make sure your friends don't either. <laughs> don't tag your friends. Don't. Just log off, everyone. <laughs> Except log for off. interacting with your favourite podcast. That's the only reason to stay on. Yeah. Except when they post a picture of... 
Someone's one of them is Team Yoda. Doesn't, you just post Yoda. That's what people want to post see. Post some dope Yoda. Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites and our least favourites and continue that ever-continuing story of carryover champ and carryover chump. Adam, yes. you've been a good boy. Thanks. You're welcome. You can go first. Uh, look, my favourite is Sundown by Muse. Okay. Uh, my least favourite is I Disappear. I still hate Mochiba more than that song, though. <laughs> Fair um, enough. And God, I am sorely tempted to make Sundown my carryover champ, but I think I'm going to keep Silver Chair on for the moment. Fair enough. Uh, I am going to go with Pearl Jam. Nothing as it seems for my favorite, but I am gonna keep Madge as. Oh no, it wasn't Madge, it was PJ, PJ. Harvey. Mm. Yeah, so I'm gonna keep that as my carryover champion. Uh, chump this week, I guess, Skunk Hour, kick in the door, but uh, will not be my carryover chump. My uh, my fave, uh, I'm with you here, David. My fave was Pearl Jane, nothing as it seems, but my champ does remain PJ. Uh, Skunk Hour was also my least favorite, but my chump, however, remains um, whatever it was, more cheaper. No, Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> yeah, you hate Madonna. Yeah, yeah. you hate Madonna. Yeah. Hate Madonna. Yeah. Hate Madonna. Hate Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite. I mean, no, not music yeah, wasn't. Not what you said. <laughs> music wasn't built in a day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite Pearl Jam. Least favorite Metallica. But Champ and Chump will remain the same. Also, um, I found out actually Den, the other singer from uh, Skunk Hour, who's actually the brother of A.R. Larkin. Mm-hmm. Over their brothers. Um, is this oh, the animator? Yes, the animator yeah. the, um, of he, uh, Peter Pan too. No. Yes, he was the he was the head of special he was the head of special effects at Disney for ten years, and then oh uh, when he came when Skunk Hour reunited, he joined them for the reunions. Oh, so that's great. Yeah. Did he leave Disney to ju- no? Surely not. And he no, was, but he, nah, he, he would have he would have just gotten fucking. I believe he, long he, service yeah. leave or something. I believe shit. he said I I had several jobs, and then remembered how good it was being in a rock band with my brother and how much fun I had. So I don't think he was still perhaps animating at Disney when he went back to join the band. But, mm, yeah. right. but obviously they're not making a living off of every three years playing a one skunk cover show. And yeah. But for the reunion, he was dressed as Mike Wazowski the whole time. <laughs> That's pretty cool. No! <laughs> yeah. But again, green face is never okay. So cut it out. Do better. Pull your socks up. <laughs> Mike Wazowski has definitely not seen Nanette. <laughs> no, he needs he should. to. He yeah. needs to see Nanette. Everyone should. It's great. Obviously. Yeah, it is wonderful. It's really, yeah, yeah just, just yeah. like... No, 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 I no, no yeah. it's really good. Everyone's already seen it. Not awakening any Well, no, but I, you know, some people haven't seen I was talking to some people who hadn't seen it the other day. Mm. It's good. On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher... Sweet, bye. Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. Mr. Andrew McDonald. Goodbye. My name is David James Young. Everything is good for corn. And this message will self-destruct in five seconds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah! In in five Hayes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Ooh, ah, ah. <laughs> Ooh, ah, ah, ah. The famous corn song, Ooh, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Play Ooh, ah, ah, ah. We're gonna play Ooh, ah, ah. <laughs> It's not our song. <laughs> also, that's not what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not corn, is it? That's fucking disturbed. disturbed. Oh, well. I thought you were doing a bit. Yeah, no, you no. You'll assume far too much of me. Uh, <laughs> you're, like... thinking, you're thinking of going, boom, ah, boom, ah, I am nah, thinking nah. of boom, boom. Yes. Ah. Look, they all have make funny voice yeah, bits. Look, yeah, look. Scat singing's funny, is it, Andrew? It's just interesting as all. Just interesting as all. It's funny when white people do it. <laughs> yes. what, you, do you think there's benefit in humour to you, Adam? Mm, interesting. You think, but you think funny is intrinsically bad? Just interesting is all. Just trying to... Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs>